You gave us great information on the film industry and directing and, you know, giving us a lot of uh, valuable feedback, especially for actors who might be listening, um, you know, just to help them also understand how the directors and the people on the other side view them and what they can improve on as well. So now I want to talk about digital marketing because I know you do video yes. a lot and you, uh, you work with businesses to promote their brand and you know, get more traffic to their websites or in general just create just more content for them to use. Yes, content is king. That's, that's the truth. So what does a digital marketer do now? Digital marketer, I would say, uses all of the platforms at their disposal that a business or a brand is willing to interact with to create um, brand awareness, brand loyalty, and to drive uh, sales. So that could be anything from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, uh, I mean, even the music scene, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, like anything, any community that people will touch digitally okay. where they can either be advertised to or be influenced uh, or otherwise marketed to. So, um, I mean, this is obviously new, right? Because Facebook has only been around for about what, 10 years now. 10 years. Yeah. So it definitely has uh, changed marketing, correct? Yeah. And um, I mean, look, when Facebook first started out, it was just about, you know, an exclusive community for college kids. You had to right. have you had to a have college your, email to yeah, get in. Was, I mean, I remember when I was, was like, horrible. oh, yeah, I got one. You know, like, cool. I don't got to be on a social media network with high schoolers, you know? Because there was a lot of drama on MySpace, you know. They made you rank your friends and all sorts of horrific things that you couldn't <laughs> realize you even did yeah. until after it was over. Um, but I think we needed that to appreciate what Facebook was. And, uh, yeah, I mean, things changed. It was for a long time we were dreading when Facebook was going to start monetizing, you know. Mm -hmm. We were going to stop enjoying the instant, like, impulse content that we wanted without dealing with ads or any political, you know, right. stuff. And Obviously, that's all changed right now, but I think that they've all grown together. YouTube, mm -hmm. you know, with their pre-roll ads and how those ads have become shorter, and it's all about, you know, conditioning. Our generation is hardwired down to the second now. Mm -hmm. I think that our average attention span right now is about eight seconds. It's less yeah. than a goldfish. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of pathetic, but, I mean, we see it in our everyday lives. Like, people are scrolling at the speed of light on their phones, and now everyone is, you know... Looking trying down. to come up with a, a thumbnail, you know, however clickbaity or um, controversial, you know, to get people to stop in their tracks and like watch that piece of media, watch that video or, you know, mm -hmm. digest that ad. Um, so, yeah, things have changed a lot, but people are having to change with it. And who knows where it's going to go tomorrow, because mm -hmm. the one thing that we're used to is that they change fast. Instagram is changing one thing and then all of a sudden yeah. you're they're your lowering our engagement. Feed. They're yeah. telling us what they want us to do. They want mm -hmm. us to spend money to reach more of our audience that we built hard work organically. Mm -hmm. And look, as long as we're at the mercy of a tech platform, we're just going to have to play the game. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the way I just it think is. it's crazy how I'll Google something and then I'll get on my Instagram and then all of a sudden there's an ad for the same thing that I was yeah. Googling. I just think that's <laughs> creepy. Well, they use cookies, you know, when you're traveling from website to website to track your interests, to track your habits, what you're going to buy, what you're looking for, what you're reading, what you're watching. That's kind of... Uh, it's scary. We like it when it's convenient, but, you know, when everyone wants to throw their hands in the air about, like, look, there's been a, a, a meme going around, 
from the Facebook challenge, the 10-year challenge or whatever. The FBI oh. like goes to Facebook and says, hey, we need to update our facial recognition database. And Facebook responds, yeah, you know what? We'll just do a 10-year challenge. How's about that for you, right? <laughs> okay, great. Wow. <laughs> and then lo and behold, everyone and their mother puts a picture of themselves from the last 10 years. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is mm-hmm. true. Obviously, conspiracies abound. Oh, I was but- <laughs> I was like, oh, I mean, my it gosh, is funny to think all... about. Like, is it far fetched that you probably know, yeah. something that they've done, and we all walked right into it face first? So, because Facebook now owns Instagram. Yes. And that's yeah. how long has that been? Oh my, I don't know when they acquired them. I, I would imagine sometime within the last four years, five years. You know, because I, I don't think. Uh, I, I mean, if I look back, probably some of my earliest Instagram posts, maybe from like 2013 or mm-hmm. something. Uh, so yeah, look, it's still in the span of time. It's relatively new. Mm-hmm. Only five, five and a half years that we're working with this. You know, look how with long Instagram. It's, yeah, look how long yeah. it's taken us. You know, and that's a picture sharing platform. So you're still restricted in terms of how you can advertise. But now, since we know everything's migrated to mostly video, in the days of people stopping yeah. reading print and graphics and and that's what I know. want to talk about video because I know you do a lot of that for the right. for the businesses that you work with. Um, why is video so effective in marketing? Well. Two versus, reasons. you know, articles, for example. Right. Uh, the statistical reason tells us that m- most of the engagement, if you stacked all the different, you know, uh, media together, you know, print, graphics, uh, all sorts of the infographics, even things like that, and then you stacked them against photography or video, mm-hmm. video is always going to win out over that. Because, you know, I think the reason also is because it allows us to uh, get people emotionally invested faster and longer so Mm -hmm. we're able to deliver a message i think it's that 95 percent of people will retain a message that's delivered in a video opposed to any other medium you know Mm -hmm. so yeah the metrics are very powerful when it comes to um, backing up the the necessity for using video in whatever way now i mean if you remember when vine came out Mm -hmm. you had six seconds to work with but there were still people who managed to get Mm -hmm plenty of followers and accrue plenty of influence because you know if you can get someone's emotional investment a laugh uh, a frown a smile whatever it is in three or four seconds and is vine still around because i I never really used it closed as a in in terms of like a platform at one point or another but i know that i think tiktok right now has to be what is tiktok for the life of me i i couldn't tell you beyond something reminiscent of a vine um i think that um it was uh, musically at one point and then I, yeah. they acquired it musically. and turned the name into TikTok but okay. I know that it's a platform for probably teens yeah because a lot of people got famous with the musically and I still don't know what that is but yeah. I just see it on the influencers pages on Instagram that say you know musically yeah their logo's still on there apparently yeah. that's how I think they're going they to singing started. covers or something like that know. yeah if, if uh, Gabriel or Edwin were in here they'd be like come on guys you don't know what you know TikTok and... no I don't I don't know <laughs> we'll leave that to them you know but uh, yeah that's one area okay. that so ca- keeps reminding me how things so are so it's changing. like the same company just kind of changing names here and there yeah okay. who knows what'll be here tomorrow I'm sure there's stuff I st- still don't know about mm-hmm. you know and if there's an audience on it like mm-hmm. if you build it they will come and now there's Vimeo what other things that you can store your videos in and, and there's have a lot online? of platforms coming out I've used Vimeo for a long time because mm-hmm. they don't compress the hell out of your you know your footage like YouTube does mm-hmm. um, and I prefer to store my uh, material on Vimeo I prefer to deliver it to clients on there I think it's a more elegant looking platform mm-hmm. I uh, like that it's user friendly it's easy um you know, they changed some things over the years, but I still think that they 
have solidified themselves in the eyes of content creators and video professionals. Okay. That like that's a good place to store and to display your footage. Okay. Um, you know, and YouTube is really just a mass distribution platform. Like you'll get it on there, but if I had my choice to show a client a video from either platform, it would be uh, on Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah. Okay. Kind of more of like a portfolio. Yeah, for okay. sure. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I do see Vimeo pop up. Um, you know, if I do a search. But I never really understood it because there is YouTube and usually everybody puts their videos there. So it makes yeah. sense now. So it's more of just a... It's a hosting platform okay. yeah, for your video. How would you say that video benefits SEO? Video benefits SEO because it adds authority to whatever content is being created. And again, can you explain SEO you know, in case there's SEO anyone is, listening who's not familiar with the term? Yeah. SEO is short for Search Engine Optimization. Um, I'm sure everyone uh, in the business, uh, you know, industry knows uh, someone who does SEO. So mm -hmm. um, if anyone's really curious about it, a quick search or ask a friend to give you a more, you know, comprehensive idea of what's involved. But it's, um, you know, optimizing your website or your platform to use the right keywords mm -hmm. that are based on intent. Uh, the most search uh, term on the Internet is how to. Okay, mm -hmm. and then insert whatever thing you want to learn here. Uh, so when we're combining that with the power of video, when you're using that with SEO, if we have an SEO-rich website or a landing page that's taking advantage of the right keywords that they know their audience is already looking for, mm -hmm. and we enrich the authority of that content with pictures and video around it, it will rank uh, a lot higher over competitors that don't do it. Because Google's job is to be the best search engine. That's how they make money. If they don't deliver good and relevant results right. to you, the best results that are possible to be delivered, well, they haven't done their job, and then they'll start sliding from there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's not going to happen because they have market dominance for that. But, um, yeah, when you introduce other content, it allows your material to rank higher. And when people are coming to learn the answer to that how-to question or whatever other query they're putting online, Video is the best way for them to engage with that. It's the one they're most likely to watch and remember. Mm -hmm. So that's so if they post a together. video on their website and someone just searches, it's going to direct them to that business's website? If, if that video was uploaded in the right way, let's say that video has the appropriate title. Mm -hmm. and uh, The keywords that you're mentioning. Correct. Right? The appropriate title, the appropriate description that still uses those keywords so that Google can see the connection. And it also has a powerful thumbnail. Thumbnail is statistically a huge part of why people will click on a video. Um, I'm sure I pass videos all the time that are full of valuable information that I would either enjoy, want to know, make me laugh, but they just don't get my interaction because the thumbnail mm -hmm. seems like something my brain tells me, hey, you might want to watch this later. Mm -hmm. And what about the number of views on a video? on uh, social media platforms, does that play come in effect as well? And It plays a big role in advertising and just about anything else that you want to promote for in, in two ways. Uh, the first one is obviously, you know, who doesn't want more views, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but the second would be something called social proof. Um, when you see an advertisement on Facebook or wherever, you have two different methods that you're going to experience these ads from. One is direct response marketing, which is where, hey, we're going to put out an ad on Facebook or Instagram, and we want to get you to impulse buy or, you know, fill out this mm. form or click, you know, to sign up for an appointment, whatever right. it is. Or put your email. Yeah. <laughs> they want something from you right then and there, right? And the other is intent-based marketing, where they know you're online looking for something, like you said, 
mm-hmm. looking on Google for something you're interested in, and oh wow, it shows up here and it shows up there. Okay, um, when you're getting in the way of a buyer's journey by just mm-hmm. putting valuable content first, not asking for a sale. Mm-hmm. Okay, you trust that that person who's out there educating themselves because people are well educated now when they have the internet at their disposal that they'll make the right choice to pick your product because you're not asking for their sale you're building trust mm-hmm. with them first you know so when we're on social media we're talking about social proof the benefit that you have is that when you're running an ad that you allow to accrue a lot of views even if that initial part of getting those views you're not getting a lot of action mm-hmm. you'll get the bandwagon effect to happen soon okay because people are not going to interact with an ad or attribute success to an ad until they see that it's been there long enough, that they've seen it enough times, they've been retargeted, so that every mm-hmm. time their brain tells them, don't click on this, this is a waste of time, this is a flop, it's not going to last, it's you know, and gimmick. And who does that? Do you need to have a digital marketer on board? or I You mean, should, because yeah. it's a full-time job in terms yeah. of monitoring that material and optimizing it properly, uh, because it's easy to let something get away from you. Mm-hmm. And it's not to control things too much, but... Um, you know, sometimes people are spending a lot of money on these ads. Some are spending tens of thousands of dollars a day. So you do want to have someone at the wheel who's really steering the ship mm-hmm. because uh, at that point, your accountability is a lot higher. And how you did know? you learn all this? And I mean, I know you're, you started in film. Yes. And then you got into marketing. Running a business, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I'm a filmmaker and a creator, I also am an entrepreneur in the sense that you know, needed to learn these things out of necessity, just like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're filming and you need an editor, you need, yeah. um, you know, another cinematographer, you have two choices. You can hire somebody, you can learn it yourself. I have always been intrigued by that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So naturally I wanted to learn it and it made sense to learn that also for video content mm-hmm. creation because uh, things have changed a lot in the last 10 years where in the past you would have been able to deliver a great video that was only evaluated on the merits of its quality and whether or not you achieved what your client wanted you to. And then you'd hope that they have some type of distribution lined up for a TV print, you know, mm-hmm. radio, whatever that was. Right. Okay. Whereas the way things are now, since everyone's on a digital platform, if you're not taking that video project by the hand and ensuring some material success from it afterwards as a marketing tool, okay, mm-hmm. then oftentimes your clients won't come back to you for your core business anyways, which was creating the video. You know, so learning it, being on top of it and implementing that into your strategy really has become a necessity for a lot of people. And if you don't adapt, you won't survive, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, because you just make, you could just make a video for a company and then they won't really know what to do with it. Great video, Jared. I love it. It's on my website and I've shown all my friends. Mm -hmm. I don't need another one. Right. You know, it's it's not a reflection on you and your your skills as a Mm -hmm. creator. It's just, is it investable? So what about YouTube? Um, I know a lot of people are using YouTube to market their business. And I know Forever Current is also doing the YouTube series for some companies. How does that help with uh, increasing your traffic? YouTube versus just your regular social media platforms. Sure. What would be the difference there? When I referred before to uh, direct response marketing versus Mm intent-based marketing, that's really where the split comes. Like social media is a great place to do both. What we find that most people are doing is direct response. They're they're learning though slowly mm-hmm. that it's becoming less and less effective. Ad costs are going higher and higher, and even if you put spans. videos on social media, even if you put videos, okay. yeah. 
people's attention spans are just going less and less and less, you know, um, and they're getting blasted with ads and spam calls on their phones all day long. So we're just getting more and more desensitized to this way of doing it. And then when people have exhausted this method, they'll come up with something new or a new platform will come up or mm -hmm. something will change. It always does. Um, but the beauty of YouTube is that since since YouTube was acquired by Google, like YouTube mm -hmm. was always a, a search utility. YouTube is used as a search engine just as mm -hmm. much as Google or any other method. So, and then if your query appears as a video, Google will serve your video first before they actually serve a link to a website or a written piece of content. Or a Instagram account. And, yeah, okay. because they know video is, again, the most powerful a form of media that will get the most engagement and they want to be the best search engine so why wouldn't they do it right so if you can understand that customers are out there who are educating themselves on the product they know they want to buy they just have to figure out what's the best place to get it how do i make sure i get a good deal how do i make sure it's quality and so forth all these things they're going to do it they're going to educate themselves right mm -hmm. and you have to create content to get in the way of that flow of leads okay and you do that by putting value first, not asking for a sale. And yes, sometimes it's educating people or sometimes it's telling people a story that gets them emotionally invested in the content or emotionally invested in your brand or that uh, host or whoever that person is, that personality who's delivering this information that they're trustworthy, they're not asking for a sale mm -hmm. and that you uh, granted their product is good or seems to be good, then you're willing to spend your money with them. Mm -hmm. uh, any consumer online is watching on average at least three pieces of content before they'll spend money with a company. Mm -hmm. And I think by when you're blocking to that level, it makes them, I think, over 20 times more likely to do that with you. So the t statistics are very powerful. And the fact that YouTube has that connectivity with Google and can be embedded just about anywhere, the only other thing you really have to take into account is you want to make your content as bingeable as possible, okay? Facebook focuses on the user experience. So you'll find that at the core of any maneuver they're doing when it comes to advertising or keeping mm -hmm. people on their platform. Whereas with YouTube, their uh, core that they're focusing on is watch time. They want people to stay on your channel as long as possible. And if mm -hmm. you can do that by successfully creating a series of content around a single subject instead of everything in the kitchen sink about right. a particular topic, people are more likely to watch five videos that are two or three minutes each than one 25-minute long video. Mm -hmm. It's just how it goes. So it's better you know? to keep it short? If I were to make a video on how to, you know... How to, add, how to create a video production, for example. I can choose to do one video that's an hour long explaining just about absolutely everything there is to do it, or I can make six videos. And make it a series. And make it a series mm -hmm. that breaks down each part. And then I can title those videos, how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then it's that. easier for them to go back and yeah. look back and uh, review it if they have to and everything like that. Correct, and now Google can actually rank that content instead of the title of that one video being how to shoot a movie mm -hmm. versus how to write a script, how to right. set up a camera, how to cast actors, how to find your location. Makes sense. Blank, 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 blank. Because when you're doing that, the more targeted and specific you get online, the more likely you are to find that particular audience member that you're looking for instead of trying to just throw it up and see what sticks. 
And what about IGTV? Because I still don't understand that. IGTV uh, is, is new to me also. and Because um, they were trying to compete with YouTube, I think, right? Right, in the way of people would complain, like, I can't put more than a minute video. And when mm -hmm. I do, you know, as a content creator, what was terrible for me mm -hmm. was like, oh, my God, I have to crunch my gorgeous you know, footage that I have into this <laughs> tiny square and no one's really going to get to see these things. And then you're actually on set filming it or, you know, creating an idea that maybe requires some fine details visually. And you're like, how on earth is anyone going to see this? But do but people it, actually go on Instagram to I don't believe they're on there watch? searching for specific content. I think that they're on there to be entertained and be connected. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, just like perhaps on Facebook, but that's not what YouTube is for. I don't think that the majority of people statistically we see are on or there Instagram. to be entertained. Um, yeah, on Instagram, the benefit of IGTV is that you can flip your screen now and however long your content is, it can be on there if it's, you know, five minute video per se, mm -hmm. and they can watch it in landscape so that they're still getting the full enjoyment of that content and the comfort of holding their phone in that way. And then they're sort of competing, when it, I guess, when it comes to YouTube, that they get to have the same user experience. Mm -hmm. But it really still comes down to, like, what content are people putting on there? There's no way to search for the title of a video yet. Right. You know? That's why I was really confused, because yeah. I just kind of see it's the hashtags. videos pop up. Right. And... But I didn't it's understand that pesky it. algorithm in your <laughs> in your Instagram thing. Yeah. Hey, we know what you want to see and what you want to hear, don't we? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I yeah, guess no, so. It's right? So strange. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't understand IGTV, and I just know a lot of people were talking about, oh, now people aren't going to use YouTube. Now they have IGTV. No way. Yeah. Things like that. So is it still better to yes. start your series on YouTube Definitely. versus Definitely. on Instagram? The audience is way way bigger, and if you're really clever, you can. The ultimate goal is to siphon that audience from YouTube onto your private platform, okay? So what we'll do with some clients is we will um, build a series, build hosts, build a different segment for different topics, okay? Mm -hmm. And we've garnered enough of an audience that we can say, for example, like a lot of YouTubers that are successful at this will create a podcast or a, um, some type of media where in the middle or end of it they'll say, all right, for those of you who are subscribers to our website, www.blank.com slash whatever, uh, you'll have exclusive access to never-before-seen content, the extra 30 minutes of this podcast, uh, books, ebooks, other material, discounts, like all sorts of things because everyone's going to a and subscription that's on platform. Yeah, this is on YouTube. And they can put it into their videos and announce in the beginning of their videos, remember, guys, if you're not subscribed to our personal, etc., mm -hmm. you won't have access to this and this. Or if you do subscribe and you pay $9.99 a month, when we do a live stream, you can go on our portal on our website and type in and interact with the people on the live stream and answer your questions. Wow, it's building value, building incentive, you know? I had and no then when idea. you do that, you can pull those people off of YouTube because YouTube still controls your audience and your platform. They can change the rules on you whenever they want, okay? And you're at their mercy. But if you can incentivize people off that platform onto your platform that you control, mm -hmm. now you have data and you have the power. Right, yeah. That is but really, it's really a long term important. commitment. It's a business within a business. But it's the way to future-proof your brand against the chaos that mm -hmm. is happening online between all the problems that are happening with data leaks, with Facebook, you know, their data breaches, like all sorts of things. They're going to get cracked down by um, by Congress and by you know other other uh, laws that they're going to put in place to regulate these companies. It's going to happen uh, because they have a lot of control, they have a lot of mm -hmm. power, 
and uh, as a way to hedge against that and make sure that you have a targeted audience, start pulling those people off that platform as soon as possible with the right incentive, you know? Right. Give them value, but they'll, they'll come. And what about for the people who want to become influencers? Do you think that they have to have an account on all these platforms? Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, what else is there? Oh my goodness, yeah, right? Because Twitter, I hear like a lot of celebrities are always talking about Twitter. I don't use Twitter. I just. I'm not a, a Twitterer myself. Um, but uh, yeah, I know a lot of people use it, and it's part, a big part in the blogosphere, especially with news and politics. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of that on there. Um, how do you keep up with all of them if you're trying to. I don't do you think manage? it's possible. Yeah. We weren't designed for that. Uh, at least I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, create some type of. Uh, use an app on your phone or reminders or go to notification hell on your phone. I mean, I know people even on a single platform, if you're at over 100,000 people following you, good luck looking at all those notifications. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't think it's it's reasonable, mm-hmm. nor would I want to spend the time. But if you're talking about it from a perspective of if I want to be an influencer, um, you very much have to treat it like a business. And try to engage on all platforms with different audiences. I really believe in being strong in one place first. Mm. So you have a foundation and then you can branch out, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, it's not to say you shouldn't be doing at least some basic things like, hey, if I share a post on Instagram, I should share it on Facebook. Right, like kind of what, share here and there yeah. on the other ones, but focus on one Correct. to really make to it. To go and create individual quality pieces of content for every single platform that has a different audience and a different demographic on them. You know, I mean, how, it's really about how much time are you willing to put in and know that whatever you're building whatever audience you're generating whatever consistency mm-hmm. you're promising them maybe it's five posts a day for crying out loud you better be ready to sustain that so i would say that it can be a double-edged sword for some people mm-hmm. and that you want to make sure that you can keep up with whatever monster you're creating because the internet's a very unforgiving place and as quickly as you can rise oh yeah you can so lose can followers yeah. very fast too yeah but treat it like a business you know yeah, no, for sure. You can sell 100 products or you can sell one really good one. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. Um, so how has YouTube helped uh, the clients that you're working with with the series? Uh, the biggest advantage is by having them take over the vacuum that exists online in their different industries and creating mm-hmm. them as the authority so that when the organic traffic comes in for people who are on that buyer journey, they're mm-hmm. the ones who are getting those leads, mm-hmm. you know, um, because we're using a, a multifaceted approach between the content pyramid, which is let's create a big overarching piece of content, mm-hmm. and then we can disseminate that content through all the other platforms. We can cut up a big YouTube video and use a snippet of it on Instagram and then on a story and then on Snapchat mm-hmm. and so forth, and then put one on the website. So it has a lot of value there for social media. And um, again, by using it on the website and other platforms, you're also enriching the other content that they mm-hmm. already have. It's just one gorgeous circle of kind of makes them a celebrity because yeah. uh, you guys they have do... a big established brand. Yeah, you guys do the series with uh, Chase lawyers. Right? Oh yes, Barry and Greg, they're terrific. And, uh, I heard that they've been approached by people on the street. Yeah, it, it just... gets celebritized. I mean, look, <laughs> the internet is an amazing place. Like you have people now. I mean, I would, I would think that traditional celebrities, so to speak, before the advent of social media are probably a little pissed off because yeah. you can go online now yeah, and yeah. get just as much notoriety mm-hmm. and uh, and fame and you can perpetuate a fantastic existence. You can make a lot of money doing that. Mm-hmm. And you have just as much power 
as any of those other celebrities do. And, uh, yeah, you can get approached on the street. Who knows? So I know a lot of people on YouTube film with their phones. Right. But I know the Chase lawyers, for example, you know, have professional videos done with you and, right. you know, forever current. Um, so for influencers, is it just easier for them to just record on a smartphone and businesses have to do it, um, you know, professionally or I'm, I would say I'm part of the YouTube community in the way of like, I subscribe to channels of different genres and I interact with them, you know? So I've watched over the last several years, say YouTubers that started out vlogging with cameras that they would use mm -hmm. to face themselves and they had autofocus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where you really felt like you were tagging along with them, so to speak, um, you know, on their journey, it was raw, wasn't as produced. Some of them had microphones, good audio, some didn't, you know, mm -hmm. but your focus really was like, let me just evaluate the content because I can relate to them as an everyday person. And if I had to do this, I couldn't possibly gather all this equipment and mm -hmm. learn how to do that. So I'm just grateful that they're willing to bring me this type of value and this content, even if that's the way that it is. And by you investing in that channel and subscribing and helping, you know, essentially for them to make money, even if it's through AdSense or f generating money from the views, when they do a bigger piece of content or do a giveaway or they upgrade their equipment or they change their location or they bring into what's going on and how their personal life is changing because of the YouTube sort of taking over for them. Like that's your emotional investment mm -hmm. in that channel and that person's journey. And you know that you're a part of how that's growing. So you're building community at the same time, you know, on a channel. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're watching that happen, you're seeing these YouTubers, some of them are doing well enough now that they can afford to have a camera crew with them. Mm -hmm. And guess what that does for them? It frees up their hands and frees up their time to be more creative and to enrich their content, mm -hmm. you know? So, and it looks a lot better. Obviously yeah. you feel like you're watching an HD movie versus, you know, some of, of these YouTube channels are competing with, you know, full blown television series. In fact, I'd say a lot of them are better, mm -hmm. you know? And that's again, because of all this perfect storm of access to technology and, you know, the ability for people to make money online, influencing and doing those things. And there's an audience out there for just about everything now. So it really wakes people up to the idea of pick what you're passionate about or it's not going to show. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that, there's an audience out there for it. You'll be rewarded for it. Just be consistent. It's mm -hmm. the number one thing that people have a problem with. Just be consistent. And what advice would you give uh, somebody trying to start a YouTube channel in terms of either hiring a professional like yourself or trying to do it on their own. You gotta focus on the content first, how much time you think it's going to take you. And then you have to also see how much your time is worth. Like if you have the capital to pay someone to help you produce, and it's just a matter of like, do I want to or not? Um, you should try to evaluate like how much is the time worth for me to go and take over the camera or take over the editing and do those things instead of simply paying another professional so mm -hmm. I'm now freed up to do better content or longer content mm -hmm. or more interesting content. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you kind of got to ask yourself that question. Um, and I guess the answer is different for everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what makes Forever Current Studios different than any other studio? Ooh, um, Forever Current Studios was a byproduct of wanting to have full control over a production and to ensure its perfection by having everything done under one roof with a single team. I think mm -hmm. that a problem that plagues a lot of uh, businesses and other creators is that they're jumping between 
a lot of people that either are not in the same business, like they're they're working with a lot of third party companies or agencies, things like that, and you have a disconnect in you know your communication, and and having to do things like that, you're you're losing that um, that cohesion mm-hmm. between the design work, all the elements that are involved. You're having all these different things come in and it doesn't feel like it's as connected and you also mm-hmm. have a lot of communication issues accountability issues that people are pointing fingers like he didn't get me this on time or i'm waiting for that right. you know and i feel that overall uh, it helps our accountability it helps people invest in the idea that like okay this team can get it done because they're all actively involved with each other mm-hmm. i always have a team who's working on everything for me and i'm not going to be you know outsourced mm-hmm. to or missing something because everything's done yeah in it's one all place. done here there's it's easier for us to tell you what we can't do mm-hmm. than what we can it simply is just that way um so everything from the pre-production of could be a commercial could be a musical for crying out loud doesn't matter there's a way for us to get everything done in one place since we have the film the marketing public relations mm-hmm. and the publishing as well as the music production so and within that, there's all these different facets. So we have yet to come across a project that challenges us beyond an ability that we think we can handle. Mm-hmm. And if we can't, then we'll simply connect with a team that does and collaborate because I don't look at people as competition. I look mm-hmm. at them as collaborators. Right. Yeah, everybody is collaborating yeah. nowadays. Yeah. If anything, it makes them better when you start collaborating. I think so. You learn from other people, you know. Nice. So, uh, Jared, what are your goals for the future? My goal for the future is to produce feature-length films in two genres historical dramas and sci-fi mm-hmm. gotta have that you know uh, yeah but i'm so documentaries and things like that doesn't doesn't turn me on as much no? if it's for a cause that i believe in i certainly will mm-hmm. but in terms of what i what i know is reasonable based on the fact that i am running a business mm-hmm. also and all the other things that I'm going to have going on professionally. How many films can I take on within the span of a year? Do I want to focus and spread myself between all these different genres or really focus on a certain Mm -hmm. few that I really want to be good at and know like the back of my pocket because I want to do projects that I'm most interested in because those are the ones that I believe I can bring the best experience into because I want to affect an audience. Right. Um, And I think that that's the, the niche for me to do it in. Is one of those two because those are just things that I've always loved and I feel like I know the best. So kind of similar to what the History Channel does, those type of like you films? take a show like Vikings, mm-hmm. for example, terrific show in the way of it may not be historically accurate as I think very few things uh-huh. are, but so it, you're talking more like a series based on could be a series, events. could be a film, you know. Um, and uh, I just really enjoy the elements of bringing characters to life that are no longer here for us to see, mm-hmm. okay? That we only have sometimes, you know, just historical evidence, anecdotal evidence about, you know, how they were, how things shook out in history, mm-hmm. and sort of bringing that to life and also educating an audience and making an otherwise mundane topic interesting to them that they want to share with people and talk about. And I feel like a lot of, you know, just history in general history is lost and history repeats itself mm-hmm. i feel like people even don't ignore that but it's just willful ignorance so mm-hmm. i feel like when you can bring that to the screen and get people interested in something that happened a thousand years ago i just yeah. think that's great you know yeah and those are always a hit yeah you know they it's do real really it happens well. what we can also be most connected to yeah, yeah and those always like suck you in you're just like yeah 
paralyzed watching. I know. And, uh, you <laughs> Even see, if you don't think it's that interesting or you didn't think still, you were going to be interesting, you're still watching it. Yeah, you're still watching it. It's, it's, it's very cool to be a part of and, you know, to talk about because it's like you realize, like, hey, like, I might have learned a little bit of history here, you know? Yeah. No, it's actually really good. Yeah. It's good to know. And what advice would you give other creatives for networking? Um, other creatives for networking, I would just say that focus early on on building a team around mm-hmm. you. And when you're networking and you're taking people's cards, you're working events or gigs with other people, like don't, you know, be standoffish and look at them like they're, you know, a joke or they're your competition or you know more than them or you're mm-hmm. intimidated because they are using a cooler or better piece of equipment than mm-hmm. you. Like, you know, trust me, we all want to talk to each other and be passionate about that. Sometimes you meet the occasional a-hole, but it is mm-hmm. what it is. It shouldn't stop you from <laughs> trying to connect with people because they can bring something to the table and let you take a step back and do the best job of what you really want to do and not have to wear mm-hmm. 20 hats. And it's also good because a lot of this industry is about who you know. You never know who you're going to connect with and, and hit it off with. And you also never know if you're going to be shooting or filming in another location, another country, another state, mm-hmm. where it may not be possible or practical for you to bring your crew from where you're at that you're comfortable with and right. you have experience with. And you got to work with another group of people. And know how to adapt as well. Yeah, you need to have that rapport and that access to make things happen you know, remotely because that also helps you grow. So I think people should just, don't be shy, reach out to your other creatives. What tips would you give creatives looking to find their place professionally? Because I know that's hard. Right. Especially in this industry, you know, it's so competitive. There's not a lot of work out there. Even if there is now, you know, the internet and there's all these platforms, people can do it themselves. A lot of options, Mm -hmm. you know. I had the luxury, like I said, of, you know, as early as six, seven years old, like just sort of having that lightning strike me and know what it was I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But for people that don't or they're still finding their way in terms of like, oh, I like photography or like video or like graphics or I like music, there's all these different things. Um, But you have to have as many experiences as possible in life, period, to know what turns you on and what turns you off. If you're living in a bubble, you're running in place, you're not experiencing new things, and you may not know what you really have the passion for. Look Mm -hmm. at, you know, many, many examples of people who discover other passions they had later in life. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes they say, oh my goodness, I wish 20 years ago I knew this. I may have gone to do this. So, you know, you got to spread your wings and, and get out there and experience life put yourself out of your comfort zone it's not about forcing yourself to like something there's a lot of value in knowing that it's something that you don't like mm-hmm. because in doing that you can start migrating towards well what do i do like yeah is it easy for everyone to wake up and say this is what i want to do today no but if you do 10 things that you realize i don't want to do that well you can start looking in another direction right but you got to give yourself the chance to experience a possible spark mm-hmm. somewhere and, uh, yeah, start somewhere. Of, yeah. Like, there's an episode in Jay Shetty's podcast that he talks about, you know, if you want to get into this type of industry like he did because he started with videos. or I think right. he used to work in a marketing agency. Uh, but he was basically saying even if you're working somewhere that isn't really your passion, you know, you can still do something else and just kind of work step by step to build whatever you yeah. want to do. And just, you know, don't hate your, your current situation. Just kind of accept it and learn what you can there to apply it to you know your your dream you know if you want to be Agreed. a producer or director podcaster uh, influencer all that stuff 
What message would you give creatives uh, inviting them here, you know, to draw them into Forever Current Studios? Uh, that's a good, that's a good uh, question. Um, I would say that, you know, in the beginning, everyone really gets into it for the passion. And then when you kind of wrestle with that and figure out, all right, like, if you want to keep doing this for the rest of your life, you got to sort of face facts and figure out how do I make money from this? I think that the perfect storm of making sure that this is a team that you can work with and grow with and have a career with and also never feel like you've lost that first spark of, I never feel like I'm coming to work. It still feels like, you know, like pinch me. Like I, I get to do this every day, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, having that, I think, uh, is something that everybody's really looking for. And, and we have that here and we want to share that with people. And I think that, you know, if you have the, an open mind and you don't have a big ego that you can find a way to collaborate with us mm-hmm. and we'll want to collaborate with you. Um, that's how the, I think the best projects are, are done. And mm-hmm. we're like a family here, you know, and people come to know that pr- mm-hmm. pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. And you guys do studio tours all the time. People yeah. come in, you know, just to yeah. check it out. So what about in terms of, um, the financing? Cause I know for artists in general or startup companies and things like that, that want to do this, but don't know where they're going to find the budget for it. What advice would you give them? Maybe start right. small or, you know, what would you say? I would say that, you know, if you're running a business, sometimes people are afraid to take a, a leap of go and get a loan, go mm-hmm. and get an investor, go to a bank and get a small business loan. You got to look at it in terms of, I need to scale my business at a certain pace with a certain amount of resources for any of this to be worth it at all. Because sometimes, I mean, for you to crawl right now, nowadays, like a lot of the setups that you have, you can just start running right away. And it's, in fact, mm-hmm. people want to see that. They want to invest in a, in a moving train. So I would say don't shy away from some of those bigger steps. You know, I mean, if you if you have that kind of confidence and you have a sound business plan, and that's what gives you the operating capital to make those moves happen so you can say in two years, uh, hey, my business is profitable. It makes sense to be doing this instead of, you know, sort of, you know, uh, chipping away, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're looking a decade later and saying, man, I, you know, we really just didn't do this the right way, mm-hmm. you know? It's like you said, um, you have to be consistent with it. Yeah, you got to be consistent. Mm-hmm. So to start a little flash in the pan here and there, marketing or a post or a video or an event, there's so many things today that like you know people have so many options and so much media to consume it's like how do you stay relevant like that right. i'd almost tell them like start building up your pipeline and building up that ammunition and then when mm-hmm. you're ready to start just be ready to keep going with it because mm-hmm. consistency is key i find that that's a, mm-hmm. the, a very big theme in everything that's going on today uh, if you don't have consistency you fall out of relevancy and you do that it's much harder to get that back and if you but really want something to, you have to invest into it I period agree. so yeah. yeah it really just depends how badly they want it at yeah. the end of the day it comes down to it you know yeah it's not impossible people have done a lot more with less well jared thank you so much for all of this information i'm gonna go home now and watch star wars <laughs> since you have your yoda uh, good i did my job coffee mug here <laughs> yeah, what's obi-wan uh, Obi-Wan. He's a Jedi in the, in the <laughs> movie. He's actually a very prominent uh, figure. Shout out to Obi-Wan. Um, yeah, this is a gift uh, from uh, Kelly for me. It's uh, 
something I enjoy drinking coffee out of. It's kind of funny. Yoda Obi-Wan for me. <laughs> oh, it's it's an unspoken Star Wars, love of Star Wars. Well, thank you so much for all this information. I'm, My pleasure. It's very clear now what you do in terms of film, video, digital marketing. I mean, all this. And it shows that you guys are here to, you know, give people results, not just the product. So, yeah. I want to be able to be proud of what we're doing and and really help people. So uh, I, I think that's uh, that's the goal. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy I could help. And uh, you know, I'm always uh, open to doing more of these.